we, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Well, welcome, friends and fellow citizens, to the We the People Convention radio program and podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski. I am the host of this show. I'm also the president of the We the People Convention, and it is the members of the We the People Convention who have donated the money to sponsor this radio network, our five-station radio network that covers Ohio every Saturday, and uh, to sponsor this podcast that is listened to and watched uh, all over the United States. We appreciate you tuning in to uh, watch the show this week. It has been uh, a pretty amazing week, and we are living in pretty amazing times. So we're glad that you've joined us. If you're new to the show, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, however you're doing that on the air, uh, on radio, or on uh, the podcast, on the internet, on YouTube, on Roku TV, on uh, uh, Amazon Fire TV, on iTunes. You can get the show however you want. Just go to wethepeopleconvention.org, click on the yellow button right on the front page, and it'll tell you how to get the show. Um, those of you who are regular listeners, uh, we thank you very much for that as well. Uh, this show is a news summary show. The goal is to you know, look at what's going on in the world, get rid of all the noise, try to focus on the things that are important and that affect you, the listener, and all of us, and then to take action to defend and protect our individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. And uh, boy, there's a lot of things that are going on that are affecting all of us. And I think I need to get right into it because it's going to be a very busy, very busy show. So the big story, obviously, is the coronavirus. And uh, this is affecting all of us in more more ways than we ever anticipated. And uh, we need to, I think, go to the President Trump's speech on Wednesday night when he addressed the nation and uh, announced some additional uh, you know, actions that he's taking to try to uh, uh, you know, take care of this virus and take care of the American people. Let's hear what the president had to say. From the beginning of time, nations and people have faced unforeseen challenges, including large-scale and very dangerous health threats. This is the way it always was and always will be. It only matters how you respond, and we are responding with great speed and professionalism. Our team is the best anywhere in the world. At the very start of the outbreak, we instituted sweeping travel restrictions on China and put in place the first federally mandated quarantine in over 50 years. We declared a public health emergency and issued the highest level of travel warning on other countries as the virus spread its horrible infection. And taking early, intense action, we have seen dramatically fewer cases of the virus in the United States than are now present in Europe. The European Union failed to take the same precautions and restrict travel from China and other hotspots. As a result, a large number of new clusters in the United States were seeded by travelers from Europe. After consulting with our top government health professionals, I have decided to take several strong but necessary actions to protect the health and well-being of all Americans, to keep new cases from entering our shores, we will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. The new rules will go into effect Friday at midnight. So that was a very powerful statement that we are going to stop all air travel from Europe to the United States. And the reaction has been insane. Uh, you know, people are just, you know, going crazy trying to get home before Friday. Uh, airline tickets were being bought for $20,000 a piece. Uh, the European nations were caught off guard. 
and the stock market didn't like it one bit as uh, right away on Thursday, the market started to crash down over 2,000 points. Uh, you know, we're down in the 2100 area of the stock market after being uh, close to 30,000 uh, just a week ago. Uh, this is serious stuff, folks. And, um, and you know, I'm, I'm concerned, as I know many of you are, not just about the virus, but about what uh, actions our leaders are, are doing and what, uh, you know, what's being done to help with the virus, but also, you know, what those preventive actions are doing to us. Uh, as you all know, uh, Governor Mike DeWine issued, uh, declared a state of emergency in Ohio after three cases, just three cases of the virus were uh, discovered in Cuyahoga County. And that is just... I just couldn't understand it. And so basically, uh, you may have seen, if you get our emails, you would have seen that I reached out with a video on Wednesday uh, challenging Governor DeWine and and calling for some perspective. If you did not uh, get that video, you can see it at wethepeopleconvention.org. But my whole point was the prevention is doing more damage than the virus itself. And so let me just play you a short clip from that video. Because I am concerned by the lack of leadership and the ill-informed actions of many of our so-called political and educational leaders in our country and in our state. I am primarily concerned about the ill-advised decision by Ohio Governor Mike DeWine to call a state of emergency after three cases of coronavirus were confirmed in Cuyahoga County. Now, don't get me wrong. We understand the coronavirus is an unknown, and it's something that is dangerous to some and is, and is important. However, let me put it in perspective, perspective, something we have very little of right now because of our actions by our so-called leaders. In Cuyahoga County, already this year, 16 people have died from the regular flu. And there was no state of emergency, and that's appropriate. There was no need for a state of emergency. And yet, the governor declares a state of emergency after three cases of coronavirus were confirmed in Cuyahoga County. This has now been followed by a series of actions that can only be called detrimental to our state and to our nation and to you and I, to the citizens of this country. Let me give you an example. Because of the governor's decision, his health director decided that the massive Arnold Schwarzenegger event that takes place in Columbus, Ohio, every year for the last 35 years, that the 200,000 spectators that normally come to it would not be allowed to attend. Now, the problem with that is that that event generates $53 million a year to the city of Columbus, to hotels, to taxis and Uber drivers, to the airlines, to restaurants, to all kinds of vendors selling merchandise. By taking this action, which is ill-informed, and in fact, ignorant, you are hurting all of those people and their, and their right to make a living. Now, what would prudent action be? Prudent action would be that we know that the coronavirus right now is only serious for people over age 60. Now, what percentage of the 200,000 people attending the Schwarzenegger event do you think would be over 60? This is a bodybuilding event. This is an event for young people. So if the governor wanted to be common sense cautious, they would have said, if you're over 60, we recommend that you don't attend, but the vast majority of the people should come. They didn't do that. And so now we're taking this big hit. This is real money, folks, and it's stupid. You can't have the preventive measures cause more damage to our society than the disease itself. Well, so there's my take uh, that I sent out uh, via email. If you don't get my emails, please go to wethepeopleconvention.org. Right on the front page, just type in your email and your zip code and you'll start getting them. That video is uh, right there on the front page. Just look for Tom Z uh, discusses coronavirus. And, you know, here, here's, here's the bottom line, folks, okay? There's a lot of miscommunication about this. And, and, and because of that, there's a lot of irrational fear 
and there's a lot of bad decision-making going on, okay? Now, uh, Rush Limbaugh had a great piece in his show on Thursday where he talked about the swine flu, all right? What happened with the swine flu? Well, in 2010, 10 years ago, the swine flu was, was gotten by over 50 million, up to 67 million Americans, and 10,000 people died. President Obama never even took action until there were 1,000 dead in, in the United States. And there were no shutdowns. We didn't shut down the economy. We didn't cancel the NBA season, the NCAA Final Four, Major League Baseball. We didn't shut down schools and things. So what's going on here? So today, okay, on Thursday, Governor DeWine has a press conference and he announces one more person has gotten this disease in Ohio, in Trumbull County, bringing the total to five, I guess. And he decides that he's going to shut down all events with more than 100 people. More than 100 people. And he basically said that it's really, uh, we're, you know, they're going to stop us from having the NCAA tournament in Cleveland. They're going to stop us from, uh, you know, Major League Baseball is not going to start. Why? What's going on here? What's with this overreaction? And so, you know, we're curious because this is close to martial law. I mean, that's what's really going on here. I mean, what is the truth? The truth, as far as we know it, is that 99% of the people that get it aren't going to die from it. And that really only people who are older will, will have serious problems. And if you have lung problems or whatever. So why in God's name are we shutting down our state? Why are we literally going to lockdown? And then he closes the schools. Well, I've been listening to doctors and scientists talking about closing the schools, though it sounds like it's a good idea, is actually a bad idea. Because by closing down the schools, now all these kids go home. And and DeWine has closed all of Ohio schools for three weeks. Now, their parents, many of whom work in the healthcare industry, are going to be more susceptible to the disease, okay? Because the kids are the carriers. They're not getting sick, but they can have the, the virus and they can spread it. So that's going to hurt our healthcare workers. But what do kids that are staying home from school do on a snow day and stuff? Well, you're working, your husband's working, your you know the wife's working. You, you take them to grandma and grandpa's. Well, grandma and grandpa are in the in the category of the most endangered people. What are we doing? What are we doing, folks? We're social beings. You and I, we're we're social. The human species has to, if, if there are studies that have been done that if babies do not interact with people when they're infants, they will die. That's how social we are. So we must go uh, to the store. We must go to the gas station, right? We need people to come and fix things at our house. We're going to go to the dentist because our, our teeth hurt. And we're going to interact. And so one of the things I want to share with you is the, the misuse of terminology because they've been mostly talking about we're going to contain this virus. You know, President Trump's going to stop travel from Europe and China to try to help contain this virus in the United States. Ladies and gentlemen, we've never contained any virus in the history of the world. If we could contain viruses, why would we have 50,000 people dying from the regular flu every year, Right? I just talked to you about the, the, the swine flu. 50 million people got it. Here's the, here's the bottom line. They're not going to contain this. We're not going to stop this. It's going to run its course. So what they're not telling you is that what the efforts are doing to shut down big sporting events and all that, and now I don't know why we're going down to 100 people, but think about that. Even if you have events with 100 people, how are you going to stop the spread of this? You can't. All you can do is slow it down. And they want to slow it down because they're afraid of the medical system getting overwhelmed. But what does that mean to you and I? Okay? Well, it could mean, I mean, I'm over 60. I'm in a vulnerable group. 
It could mean that I couldn't get a ventilator if I got real sick. So I get that. But why aren't we taking prudent steps like, you know, like we're doing with the nursing homes? Governor DeWine did say we're gonna, they're not going to allow visitors at nursing homes. That makes sense because nursing homes are a situation where they're at high risk. Of the 38 people in the United States, hear what I said, 38 people in the United States who have died of this, like 29 of them have been in nursing homes. But there's not any reason to shut down our country in our economy and ruin jobs. And, and let me make another point. These people who are getting on TV, all these medical professionals and all these government employees who are getting on TV and telling us that they're going to shut down our lives and that they, they can, they, they're concerned about us. Yeah, but none of them are affected by their actions. They're all government employees. They, aren't, they don't rely on tips. They don't rely on people coming to my store and buying stuff. They get paid even when the government is shut down. It's disingenuous for these elitists to try to tell us what to do. And quite frankly, it's a liberty issue. Throughout history, Americans have had the right to decide, is it safe for me to go outside? What precautions am I going to take? It's up to us as families to wash our hands, teach our kids how to be careful, stay away from people who are sick, stay home if we're sick. But now we got big brother telling us what to do. Now that makes me really uncomfortable and really mad. I don't know how it makes you feel. But this cannot stand. The other thing they're not saying, because they're, they're telling you they're going to contain this and they're not, they're just going to slow it down. The other thing they got to start talking more about is this is going to be extremely temporary because it's starting to look like this is going to be the new normal. Well, I'm an American. The new normal isn't that I can't take an airplane or travel or live my life. I'm not putting up with that, and I don't think you're going to put up with that. So we're in a situation where we've got to start talking about this and pushing back because I think they're going a little bit too far. And so the other thing I just want to make a point of is we in the Tea Party movement, we conservatives know what Reagan said. Government isn't the solution. It's the problem. We're where we are because the same people who we're now supposedly looking to to help us are the ones who put us here. Who do you think made the decisions to let all of our drug manufacturing be shipped off to China. Did you do that? Did I do that? No. Politicians did that. Elected officials did that. Bureaucrats did that. That's why we're in trouble. And, and, and let me give you a case in point, another really important case in, in, in point. The CDC, the people that you're seeing on TV, the CDC, they were trying to do a cat, a a kit to test for the, the, the Wuhan virus in January. The CDC designed a flawed test for COVID-19, then took weeks to figure out a fix so state and local labs could use it. New York still doesn't trust the test accuracy. At the highly, as the highly infectious coronavirus jumped from China to country after country in January and February, the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention lost valuable weeks that could have been used to track its possible spread in the United States because it insisted upon devising its own test. The federal agency shunned the World Health Organization test guidelines used by other countries and set out to create a more complicated test of its own that would identify a range of similar viruses. But when it's when it was sent to labs across the country in the first week of February, it didn't work as expected. The CDC test correctly identified COVID-19, the disease caused by the virus, but in all but a handful of state labs, it falsely flagged the presence of other viruses in harmless samples. As a result, the CDC and the Food and Drug Administration only allowed those state labs to use the test a decision with potentially significant consequences and, with, and the lack of reliable tests prevented local officials from taking a critical step in coping with the possible up, outbreak. That step was surveillance testing of hundreds of people in possible hotspots. So what have you been hearing all the criticism from the Democrats, from the media? Where's the test kits? Where's the test kits? Yeah, we didn't have the test kits. 
because the Center for Disease Control screwed up. Big government screwed up. I know you're shocked. But here's the worst part, okay? Then it was learned that the CDC was the only one that made tests. And when it came time to ramp up, they couldn't make the tests. So President Trump had to go out to Merck and and Johnson & Johnson and the big pharmaceuticals in the U.S. and get them to take the CDC test kit and now manufactured millions of them. And by this week, there were supposed to be 4 million test kits out there. Now, I'm just giving this as an example. I'm sure the people at the CDC are working hard. But government isn't always the solution. And the government telling us what to do is a problem because I don't trust them. And so now, you know, private industry is involved. And thank goodness that President Trump has done that. But the point I want to get back to is that we cannot shut down our economy and have a panic for something that, guess what, folks? We are all going to get this. It's just going to be slowed down. But they're not telling you that. And there will be a vaccine probably by next year. And yes, some people are going to die. But we got to be able to go on and live our lives. And the governor's actions are totally irresponsible. Five people didn't die. They just have the virus. And we're shutting down our schools, all of our professional sports, all of our activities, the playhouse, the concerts. What's wrong with these people? And the answer is, our elites aren't elites. Our elites aren't very smart. They don't even have common sense. We have common sense. We need to push back. Now, it's some good news. A couple things that are pretty cool. The Cleveland Clinic, again, a pseudo-government agency, but a private company, the Cleveland Clinic announced on Thursday that they've got a new coronavirus testing capability that will deliver results within hours, within eight hours, instead of the two to seven days it currently takes for off-campus lab tests to proceed. The Cleveland Clinic's going to have this ready by next week, and they're even talking about having drive-through testing. This is great. This is what we need to do. This is what Americans do. We fix problems. We solve problems. Here's another good story. Perel right? Everyone, wash your hands, you know, you know, keep your hands clean. Everyone's using Perel. Guess what? You know where Perel comes from? Comes from Akron, Ohio, baby. Gojo Industries, which was founded in 1946 by Goldie and Jerry Lipman during World War II, when they were both workers at the rubber factories in Akron, Ohio, they invented Perel. And they're now booming. They're, as a matter of fact, they have a plant in Worcester, and they're asking for employees because the demand is so high for their product. We're going to get through this. We're going to this. Is, we're going to be fine. But our leaders need to back off because this is totally irresponsible. If you're over sixty, if you have, uh, you know, if you have lung disease, if you've got other issues, absolutely, you got to protect yourself. You got to stay isolated until this thing is under control. But if you're not in those situations, go to the restaurants, go to the gas station, go get groceries, go to go to your, your church, for goodness sakes, and pray for this thing to get out of our hair, to go away, okay? That's what we need to do. And I know you'll do it, but we will not give in to fear. We will not stop living our lives because of some virus. We're stronger than that. We're going to take a break. You're listening to the Weedy People Convention News and Opinion Radio Show, and I'm Tom Zawistowski. As Merrick, president of Liberty Camp for Kids in Portage County, Ohio. Liberty Camp for Kids is where students in grades 1 through 6 experience the founding of our nation. This year's camp will be held from July 20th through the 24th from 9 till noon. The cost is $30 per camper. If you're interested in our camp, being a volunteer, or even starting one of your own, go to www.LibertyCampForKids.com. All right, and we're back, and we appreciate you being with us. Um, You know, other things are going on in, around the, the country. It's, as I said, we can't stop living our lives. And one of the big things that's going on is uh, what's going on with the Democratic presidential race. 
Uh, as we talked last week, it was very clear that the, uh, you know, the whole idea for the, the Democratic Party, for the elites in the Democratic Party, once they saw the Bloomberg study that showed if Bernie Sanders was the, the, the nominee, that they would lose all their down ticket seats. They would lose, you know, uh, U.S. House seats. You know, they would lose use state House and Senate seats. They would lose all the way down the ticket. So what did they do? They all gathered around Bernie, uh, uh, Joe Biden and said, OK, you know, this is our guy. Like it or not, we're going to do this. But it has gone, it's just gone absurd at this point. It's just gotten absurd, you know, in this situation because they now are trying to keep Joe Biden under a blanket because he's a gaffe machine. They are now limiting him to just seven minutes in his speeches. And, and it's, it's just pathetic. Joe Biden, they want Joe Biden to be the president of the United States and yet he came and talked for more than seven minutes. Uh, when asked about this, Bernie Sanders says, there are real crises facing this country. When I give a speech, often it's 45 minutes or an hour because there are a lot of challenges the country faces and I've got to talk about them. You know, I think Joe was somewhere where, uh, in like Michigan or someplace out the other day and he spoke for seven minutes. I don't know how you say anything other than, you know, minimal discussion in seven minutes. But it gets worse than that, folks. It gets worse than that because now they are starting to um, basically shut down any public appearances. Remember how Hillary Clinton like disappeared? You just didn't see her for days. Well, they know that if you see Joe Biden, that you're going to see that he's incapable of being president of the United States. So they're going to try to hide him. So for the upcoming debate on this Sunday, March 15th, they decided that they aren't even going to have Joe Biden standing because apparently he can't stand. So he and, and, and Bernie are going to sit on a stage, right? And then what did Bernie do? Bernie held a press conference after this Tuesday's round of voting in Michigan and other places where Biden, again, won big. And Bernie Sanders, who I think is a total fraud, our, our, our commie buddy, yeah, he, that's like all commies. He loves capitalism, right? Communism's good for you people, but not for the leaders, right? So Bernie Sanders is a millionaire that has three houses. And he got one of those houses when he didn't buck Hillary Clinton and got behind her in 2016. That's how he got one of those houses. So now Joe Biden calls, uh, excuse me, not Biden, Bernie Sanders calls a press conference and everybody thought he's going to drop out of the race. Instead, he says, I'm going to debate Joe Biden on Sunday, and he proceeds to give Joe Biden all the questions that he wants to ask him so they have like a week to get ready to coach Biden so he can answer him. It's literally that pathetic. It's that pathetic. And so, you know, we're in a situation where this is just not going to fly. And I had a call, uh, one of the people listening on WWVA from Wheeling, West Virginia, send me a snarky email about how Donald Trump is more, more incoherent than Joe Biden. So I, I just grabbed one of these quick Biden gaff reels to play for his benefit. So our friend at WWVA, this is for you. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. And so he was up on the board, wouldn't listen to me. I said, hey, Esther. You, off the board, or I'll come up and drag you off. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the goal, you know the, you know the thing. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. I'm beginning to see why your wife left you. If you agree with me, go to Joe 30330 and help me in this fight. Thank you very much. So there you have it, Joe Biden, who is clueless. And as we said uh, as well, there are serious issues with Mr. Biden from the standpoint of the Durham Barr investigation about Ukraine, what's going on with, uh, you know, uh, you know, his family, because his brothers have made lots of money. His son, you know, made you know, $50,000 a month in a Ukraine deal. Joe Biden flew his son to China and his son came back with one point five billion dollar investment and a startup company from the Chinese. But oh yeah, yeah, you want Joe Biden to be the president, right? When the Chinese are at war with us and, and, and sending viruses, you know, into the world, right? So Joe Biden's brother was uh is under investigation by the FBI 
because a medical company he's involved with uh, has accused him of fraudulently taking funds after he became a member of the board with the promise of being able to get government assistance for this um, AmeriCorps Health Hospital. Okay, the FBI raided AmeriCorps Health Hospital on January 20th amid suspicions of illegal activities involving members of the Biden family. It appears they may have found evidence of illicit business dealings in connection with the former vice president's career as a government official. After the raid, two medical firms who had the business relations with James Biden stated in civil court proceedings that they possessed evidence that his this transfer of funds from AmeriCorps was outside of ordinary course of business. Politico reports that this case might represent political pitfalls for the former vice president. You think? You think there might be some political pitfalls? Wow. We're going to take another break and then come back after this message. You're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion podcast and radio program, and I'm Tom Zawistowski. Buckeye Firearms Association is Ohio's number one gun rights organization, protecting the rights of Ohio's four million gun owners. And you can get our weekly gun rights newsletter free. Receive breaking news and urgent alerts on gun laws. Stay up to date on self-defense and shooting sports. Discover pro-gun activities and events near you. Get your free gun rights newsletter now at bfanews.org. That's bfanews.org. bfanews.org. All right, and we are back, and we appreciate you being with us. Got one more segment here I want to get in, and that has to do with the uh, FISA court. And you and I you know, know I've been asking you to call the White House to tell the president that we don't want uh, the FISA uh, renewed. It's supposed to be. Uh, it's supposed to run out in on Sunday, March fifteenth. So they only have this week to uh, to pass it, and they wanted to pass it just as is, just completely ignore what happened uh, in the FISA court in the last three years, the spying on President Trump and his campaign and on American citizens. So a lot of things are happening there. A um, a FISA judge finally declared the FBI responsible for. Uh, what was going on in the in the FISA court? Uh, the, to, for much of the last three years, key law enforcement leaders have insisted they did nothing wrong in pursuing counterintelligence surveillance warrants targeting the Trump campaign starting during the 2016 election. And they added, if mistakes were made, they were unintentional process errors downstream from them, and not an effort to deceive the judges. But in just 21 words, a federal U.S. District Judge Court, James Brosberg, provided the first judicial declaration that the FBI had misled the court, not just committed process errors. There is thus little doubt that the government breached its duty of candor to the court with respect to those applications, Brosberg wrote. This judge also barred any attorney and any FBI agent who had presented to the court involving those cases until they are proven innocent. Very interesting. He's basically saying the court was lied to, these people did it, and until you can prove they didn't do it, they are barred from this FISA court. So that was a good step, all right? So then we were, they were trying to pass this bill, okay? And the bill to reform the FISA process by which the government is able to obtain secret surveillance warrants against terrorists and criminals has been introduced in the House but faces an uncertain future. The bill, the USA Freedom Reauthorization Act, will replace the FISA Act, which is set to expire on Sunday. It's a bipartisan effort to fix some of the abuses that came to light during the process which the FBI was able to spy on the Trump campaign and on his aide Carter Page in 2015. Um, Jim Jordan had this to say, uh, Jim Jordan, uh, Ohio's Jim Jordan, agreed with Nather that the legislation could have gone a little further, but it does represent real reform. The revisions, he said, are much better than the current FBI surveillance tools that have come into focus with the botched FBI applications to fail former Trump campaign aides Carter Page in the Russian probe. However, not everyone believes that that's the case. And so listen to this exchange between Lou, jo- Lou Dobbs on the FISA court. Yeah. We've watched a president go through pure hell because of the abuse of power of the politically corrupt FBI and Department of Justice using this same FISA court system uh, and defrauding it. And we're not going to have hearings on it. That's right. I mean, this it wasn't just the president, the whole country. Think if you were Carter Page. I mean, Lou, we didn't have judiciary should have had a hearing on this. Uh, Intel committee should have had a hearing. They should have let us offer amendments. Uh, We should be voting on amendments tomorrow. We're not doing any of that. 
The president has said he opposes reauthorization without reform. What does he do here? Will he vote, veto it if necessary? I, I would hope so, but I'm afraid that he's going to be persuaded. I think people are going to try to hang a potential terrorist threat on his neck. They're going to say, oh, we've got these internal mechanisms now in place. We've strengthened, we've, we've enhanced criminal penalties. But, Lou, you and I both know this. You, it's not criminal Crim if you don't charge somebody yeah. and convict them. And they didn't charge criminal anybody. Penalties. Yeah, you, you yeah. can have you could say we're going to be a hundred years, but you don't deter yeah. any of this activity unless you actually charge somebody. Just not so we're at the point that we don't have to worry about they're not uh, reauthorizing it because we know full well the corrupt FBI and Justice Department will spy anyway. Uh, and secondarily, we know that no one will be held accountable for the crimes they've already committed under FISA. Congressman Andy Biggs, always great to have you with us. Thanks so much. Thanks. So there, you know, Lou Dobbs summing it up that again, where is the accountability? Where is the, you know, the people who committed the crimes, right? The, you know, this bill, this reauthorization is supposedly to fix things going forward. But what about what happened in the past? And AG Bill Barr approves of this. Okay, Bill Barr said, I have reviewed the House FISA bill and support its passage. The bill contains an array of new requirements and compliance provisions that will protect against abuse and misuse in the future while ensuring that this critical tool is available when appropriate to protect the safety of Americans. Bill Barr, it's on you, buddy. You're the one. We're, they're, the president's going to pass this. I know you guys all called and said, we want reform. I think this is phony reform. And I think the point that Andy Biggs was making is that you can make all the changes to the rules you want, but if people just ignore them and they don't get charged, what's the point? AG Bill Barr, you need to call AG Bill Barr and you need to say, we need to prosecute the coup criminals and we need to, you know, we need to make sure the FISA court isn't abused. You can call him at 202-353-1555. 202-353-1555. And you can find that information at wethepeopleconvention.org. Uh, just search in the articles or in the videos and you'll see that. Okay, it's time to wrap up our show uh, for this uh, week on the radio. But the way this works is, for those of you listening on the radio, you can now go to our website and watch the rest of the podcast, which will go on for like another half an hour. And we've got lots of good stories coming up about uh, how the Russia case fell apart Literally, the month that Trump was inaugurated, the Supreme Court ruled to, to keep the stay in Mexico rule that Trump put in to keep the people who are waiting for amnesty and make them stay on the other side of the border. Lots of good stories. Uh, but most of all, we just appreciate you listening to the show. We, we want you to come back next week and we want you to just have confidence in, in the president and in, in, in America and in yourselves and be a voice of reason and common sense and fight to protect and defend your individual freedom and liberty and prosperity. Because if you don't, who the heck is going to do that? And the answer is no one's going to do that if you don't do it. So thanks again for watching and listening. We're going to uh, drop off the radio and then we're going to be back on our podcast. The We The People Convention News and Opinion Radio Program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We The People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We The People Convention, P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. All right, and we're back, and thank you for everybody who listened to the radio show and is joining us now on the podcast, and thanks to everybody who's watching the podcast, wherever you're doing that on, at YouTube, at, at, at you know Amazon, Fire, on Roku, uh, at, on iTunes, on WeThePeopleConvention.org. We really, really appreciate you guys and really appreciate uh, what you've done uh, you know, to help promote the show and get it growing and get the word back out there. Um, I've got a couple of important stories to talk about. The one thing I want to talk about is, and I'm looking for the, uh, the story on my list here, is that, folks, we got to turn out for the vote. In Ohio, and, and a lot of, in Florida, Ohio, uh, and uh, there's one other state on, on the Tuesday the 17th, you got to turn out and vote. Now, this problem with this virus thing and the governor declaring, you know, that, you know, you can't meet in groups of 100 or, or, or more, 
people are starting to worry about going to vote. You you kind of you got to go vote. You know, these candidates that are on the ballot are going to be who are going to be going against the Democrats in the fall. And we got to pick good people. And and so don't be afraid of going the vote. You know how it is at the voting place. You're not that close to people. And there's usually not a lot of crowds, particularly in the primary. Okay, so go to vote on the 17th. It's critical. And there's also a message I want to get out to you. Uh, Frank LaRose, uh, the Secretary of State, is saying that they need to have some people volunteer to work uh, on at the polls. They're, they're a little short on workers at the polls. So if you want to do that, you can go to Ohio Secretary of State, ohiosos.gov uh, slash defend democracy, ohiosos.gov defend democracy. And if you go there, you can uh, volunteer to work at your local polling station and you get paid. You get paid for that. You'll make like $150 or so. So if you're, if you're watching the podcast and you're in Ohio and you want to do that, go to ohiosos.gov slash defenddemocracy and volunteer to work at the polls. And all of you, get out and vote. We want to show people that Ohio is Trump country. They're going to come out and vote for Bernie and for uh, Biden, right? That's going to be a big deal on, on the 17th. And, and so they're, the Democrats are going to turn out. We want to have huge numbers for Donald Trump to show the American people a, the media is lying about his popularity, okay? And B, that he gets bigger numbers than the Democrats do. And the polls are wrong. They're propaganda. They're just fake. Okay, so let me go to my next story here. This is from John Solomon. And, and folks, if you're not going to his new website, Just the News, you really got to do that. He's doing incredible work. And um, he has a story that says, FBI Russia collusion case fell apart in the first month of the Trump presidency memo show. Flynn collusion was ruled out. Steele dossier debunked in January 2017 with more, worth more than two years before Mueller announced it. The piecemeal release of FBI files in the Russia collusion investigation has masked an essential fact. James Comey's G-men had substantially debunked the theory that Donald Trump's campaign conspired with Moscow by the time the 45th president was settled into the Oval Office, according to declassified memos, court filings, and interviews. And that means a nascent presidency and an entire nation were put through two more years of lacerating debate over an issue that was mostly resolved in January 2017 inside the Bureau's own evidence files. The proof is now sitting in plain view. In rapid-fire sequence in January of 2017, U.S. officials found that they received multiple warnings about the credibility of informant Christopher Steele and his dossier, affirmed key targets to the FBI counterintelligence investigation, made exculpatory statements denying collusion to undercover sources, and concluded retired Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, Trump's first national security advisor, was not engaged in collusion with the Russians. And still, nonetheless, the Mueller people went forward. They knew. They they literally had in their hands, they had documents saying that Christopher Steele's dossier was completely wrong. Robert Mueller and his whole team knew, and they still prosecuted President Trump for two years on trumped-up charges and, and got Manafort and, and uh, Papadopoulos and Roger Stone with process climbs. These people are despicable. They're just despicable. And, um, you know, we just pray every day that they are going to be brought to justice by Bill Barr and by uh, uh, John Durham, because that's our only hope, folks. That's our only hope. Here's another good story. The Supreme Court ruled that Trump uh, can enforce his remain in Mexico policy uh, for migrants seeking asylum. Uh, that a ruling this week overturned a lower court's attempt to block the policy, which have went, would have went into effect almost immediately. And, you know, this, this is really important because this is one of the best moves that President Trump made. He kept all of the, um, you know, the people trying to crash our border. The problem was once they got into the United States, we had to release them into the United States. So President Trump came up with the idea of we're going to say, OK, we're going to consider your, your uh, application for asylum, but you got to stay on the Mexican side of the border. 60,000 people are there on the other side of the border and can't come in because of this policy. That's pretty cool. And it's glad the courts you know, ruled in the right direction for that. But now 
We just got to make sure that it gets appealed, you know, all the way goes through the process so that now he's, uh, you know, it's a permanent situation. It can't be temporary. So that's definitely, you know, something that we're going to be keeping an eye on. Um, I also had a story. Let's see if I can find it in my list here. I'm sorry. My uh, list is a little, little bit messy here today. I just don't know why I was uh, not doing that. Let me talk about this story. It was on, uh, I sent it out in an email this uh, week. Obama Homeland Security IG was indicted. A federal grand jury in the District of Columbia returned a 16-count indictment against a former acting inspector general for the U.S. Department of Homeland Security under the Obama administration and a former subordinate for their alleged theft of property, software, and confidential databases of part of a scheme to defraud the U.S. government. The indictment charges Charles K. Edwards, 59, of Sandy Springs, Maryland, and Morali Yamazula Venka, 54, of Aldi, Virginia, with conspiracy to commit theft of government property and defraud the United States, uh, wire fraud, and aggravated identity theft. The indictment also charged Venkata with destruction of records. So again, Obama used to claim, you know, that that was the most transparent and clean, you know, uh, group, uh, you know, administration in the history of the world. Just read the book, The Intimidation Game uh, by Kimberly Strassel, and you'll find out that the Obama administration was flat out the most corrupt organization, corrupt administration in American history. And when, when Durham and Barr and those guys finally bring some justice, you're going to find out things you just came and believe. We're going to take another break. You're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion podcast and radio show, and I'm Tom Zawistowski. The Buckeye Institute was founded in 1989 and we're the longest serving free market think tank in the state of Ohio. My goal is removing barriers to prosperity that have been put in place by government. We want for Ohio to be the freest and most prosperous state in the country. The Buckeye Institute is a source of common sense ideas that will have an impact on the nation as well as the state of Ohio. We support the Buckeye Institute. They're a great think tank here in Ohio. They are pretty much the only one trying to keep the government of Ohio fiscally conservative. They're constantly looking for ways to uh, help, you know, rein in, uh, you know, government taxes and, and misspending and misappropriations. So we ask you to please support them. They're awesome. I want to move on to a couple other stories here as we're nearing the end of the program. This story about pediatricians say study approving puberty blockers for adolescents is flawed. Two pediatricians say data from a study published at the official journal of American Academy of Pediatrics actually reveals the opposite of what its authors conclude, that puberty blockers are linked to positive mental health outcomes in youth claiming to be transgender. In the February issue of Pediatrics, doctors Jack Turbin and Donna, Dana King uh, asserted that uh, that. Puberty suppression from transgender adolescents who want this treatment and is associated with favorable health, mental health outcomes. Two pediatricians, however, both more board members of the American College of Pediatricians, which had uh, has posted a position statement on the child gender dysphoria and the consequences of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormone treatment, said the data actually revealed the opposite of what Tubin and his associates claim. So basically, here's Supposed scientists putting out studies that lie and say that if you give hormones to block puberty to young people so that they can transition and be transgender, they said, oh, it makes their mental health better. When we know for a fact that transgenders are very, very uh, uh, in danger of suicide. And thank goodness that these board members of this, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics came out and said, no, your study says absolutely the opposite of what you said it said, right? And this is where science has to step up. They got to stop being politically correct and start being just correct, scientifically correct, and they're not doing it. Okay, want to move on to another story. This really upset me. I don't know if it upset you. The tornadoes in Tennessee... Happened last week, and man, this is a story for like a nanosecond. The national media barely covered this story. And folks, this was devastating. This, the tornado, one of the tornadoes was on the ground for 50 miles. Think about that. 50 miles it was on the ground. 
28 people died. We've only got 38 people dead in the country from the corona Hunan virus, and 28 people or 25 people died in this Tennessee tornado. No state of emergency. You know, I'm all, I mean, the state called the state of emergency, but you know, we weren't shutting down the country for it. And, and these people, it's called the volunteer state. And I'll tell you, all I've been doing is reading about the fact that neighbors and people came together and really helped put this, you know, pick up their neighbors, haul away the stuff, and they're beginning to rebuild. But the reason that the national media didn't pay any attention to it is because Nashville, at least now, is still a conservative city. And t- Tennessee is a conservative state. And so no victims there, right? No victims there. President Trump went and saw them. The people were so grateful, and he brought all the assistance he could. But it was a travesty that that story was just covered up. Got a couple more uh, sponsors that I want to sh- uh, play some ads for you, and then we'll, we'll wrap up the show. Uh, this is Tom Zawistowski, and you're listening to the We the People Convention uh, News and Opinion Podcast and Radio Show. This is Jordan Seculo with the American Center for Law and Justice. At the ACLJ, we are committed to fighting the deep state and protecting freedom, the right to life, religious liberty, and fighting for the Constitution. The ACLJ has experienced tremendous success in litigating cases at all levels of the judiciary, from the federal district court level to the Supreme Court of the United States. We have offices in Washington, D.C., Jerusalem, and all around the world. You can find out more about the ACLJ and join us by visiting aclj.org. Did you know that the Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio is the largest statewide life group in the state? Are you tired of the compromised approach to pro-life legislation that has been the status quo for far too long? Since 2017, the efforts of the Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio has changed that approach, closing loopholes and making pro-life laws enforceable. Visit rtlaohio.org or call 440-668-4049 for details. The Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio, the proven place to go for lasting pro-life. Um, I was at, uh, with my wife, Nanette, we were at the uh, uh, Right to Life, Bringing America Back to Life convention uh, in Cleveland last weekend. Oh my gosh, there was more than 100 people there. How did we survive? Anyway, it was great. We saw Dr. Alan Keyes speak and um, uh, it was very profound. Uh, he said some things that I'll, I'll bring up in future shows, but, uh, you know, it was a great event. And I'm sure any of you that attended really thought it was a great event. And, and we're glad that they put it on. Molly Smith and her team do a great job. Okay. The last part of the show, I want to talk to you about something that is a virus, but it's not a, a medical virus, but it's a virus that's just as deadly to our nation and that I need you to take action about. Okay. Many of you are unfamiliar but the New York Times has created this thing called the 1619 Project. And basically what they're trying to do is rewrite American history. And we cannot allow them to do this. Let me just read a little bit about this for you. As a work of journalism, the New York Times 1619 Project is highly problematic. Turning it into a school curriculum is major educational malpractice. Last week, Our Twisted History series featured a range of thinkers outlining the grave distortions contained in the 1619 Project. This this project is named for the year that that African slaves were first brought to these shores. The 1619 Project holds that out of slavery grew nearly everything that has truly made America exceptional. Its economic might, its industrial power, its electoral system. How's that for a boast? right? How's that? The American Revolution in this telling wasn't meant to enact a grand experiment in liberty, just the opposite. Project, the project uh, head, Nicole Hannah-Jones, insists the revolution's main goal was to ensure the survival of slavery. In other words, this nutjob woman says that the Revolutionary War was, was intended to to make sure that uh, slavery survived, not to fight it. That claim is utterly at odds with the facts, as scholars rapidly pointed out. As Berkeley Stevens Hayward put it, the American founding had an indispensable role in making slavery a central political problem for the first time in human history. At Politico, Black Northwestern University historian Leslie M. Harris reports that she warned Hannah Jones that she had this utterly wrong. 
Far from being fought to preserve slavery, the Revolutionary War became a primary disruptor of slavery in the North American colonies. Yet, Hannah Jones, a journalist, not a historian, went ahead anyway, and she still won't back down. Her only concession is that not all of the founders fought to preserve slavery. Nor do the lies end there. Hannah Jones claims, for example, that President Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipator, opposed black equality and claims that, the civil, that after the Civil War, African Americans fought for equal rights alone. The project barely mentions great black freedom fighters such as Frederick Douglass and indeed the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and the entire civil rights movement because they don't fit its agenda. Okay? Now, what's your assignment? The New York Times is actually running ads for this on the History Channel. You can see them if you go to um, uh, YouTube and just uh, put 1619 Project ads. And they are trying to get schools to teach this nonsense. The New York Times printed like 35 pages of this document claiming that slavery defines America, defines America. Well, here's a, here's a response from one of the, the people that are fighting this. And, it, and this fight is being put, uh, really coming from uh, Dr. James Woodson in the Woodson Center. Many of you know him. He's a really brilliant American scholar who happens to be black. And, and he announced sponsorship of a thing called the 1776 Project. And he's gotten all of these uh, people to come and uh, write essays. And you can look it up at the Woodson Center uh, 1776 Project to read some of these essays. I'm just going to read you a paragraph or two from this one essay. Slavery does not define the black experience by Wilfred Riley. Slavery was horrible, but it was not the primary factor that built this country, and its historical existence does not permanently stain our nation's legacy. It should never be denied, and no one in fact does deny this, that the land of the free once used captives from other societies almost as cattle. However, the reality is that virtually all societies existing before the modern era did so, and only one became the United States of America. Logically, something other than our past indulgence of evil must be responsible for our current greatness. Slavery in the United States existed by definition only from our actual national founding in 1776 until the end of the Civil War in 1865 and existed almost entirely in the agrarian South during that period. There is essentially no evidence that the practice boosted the wealth of that region beyond that of the rest of the U.S. The South was widely considered a feudal backwater even before the Union Army conquered it. Uh, Virtually all American industrial and economic development has taken place since that occurred. Further and importantly, slavery does not empirically seem to be the cause of most modern problems, even in the black community. Remarkably, the black illegitimacy rate was far lower under slavery than it is today. That's truth. I'm asking you to call the school boards in your county and make sure, call the superintendent and say, as a taxpayer, I want your assurance that you are not allowing this 1619 project from the New York Times to be taught in our school district. You need to do this because they intend to brainwash our children, rewrite history, and make black Americans particularly a permanent victim class. How disgusting, how reprehensible. And we Americans will not allow them to lie about our past. We will admit our sins, but we will take credit for our victories. And let me make clear, for those who on the left who like to call us, constantly reminding us on MSLSD and the Clinton News Channel about how America has a problem with racism, you just remind them, America doesn't have a problem with racism. The Democratic Party has a problem with racism. Because all the racism, from Jim Crow to the Klan to the, you know, to the KKK, to all the slavery that we had. It was all done by the Democratic Party and was all solved by the Republican Party. We don't have a racist past, a problem with racism in our past. We fixed it and we're proud of it and you should be proud of it as well. All right, we're going to wrap up today's show. I really appreciate those of you who watch and listen every week. Please pass the word. Um, we've got, you know, 
really, you know, I got to get this built up for the coming fight because as you see with this economic scare, this is going to affect the election. I actually heard someone talk on the radio today about the fact that the Democrats made, you know, they're, they're already canceling Trump events, right? They got the president to cancel his events. Well, why? Because they're effective and they, they want to cancel their whole primary. And then you watch as we get to the fall, they may try to cancel the election in order to take advantage of this, this disaster, this virus. We can't let them. So tell other people about this podcast and radio show and send me my, your comments at info at wethepeopleconvention.org. We greatly appreciate it. We read every email and we'll be back again next week. You're listening to the We The People Convention news and opinion podcast and radio show. And I'm Tom Zawistowski.